I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast is brought to you by Gun Street Wiring, a micro-instrument electronics company obsessed with overall quality. That's right, they're a new approach to the guitar wiring market. Because, of course, when it comes to music, there is endless variety. But when it comes to your instruments, wiring your manufacturer generally gives you one type. However, Gun Street Wiring put forth a shiny alternative by creating a massive range of different wiring harnesses suitable for every single musical style. They have a a beautiful website where you can navigate around selecting your instrument shape, then choosing between 50s modern and hybrid wiring harnesses. And within that, every single different type of harness you can possibly imagine. It's an affordable mod, and if you go with Gun Street Wiring, it's a mod you simply won't regret. Check them out, gunstreetwiringshop.com. Welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Jay Cross. Hello. And Matthew Knight. Hello there. Yes, that's right. The three of us are back. We're a day late this week uh, due to Jay Cross's social life, but that's actually okay (laughs) because it worked out uh, much better for all of us. And we've all had a rather gig-heavy uh, week. Indeed. I even went to a gig. I mean, that's pretty rare. That is pretty rare. Rare <laughs> for you to leave the house. But Jay, we were we were um we were we're late this week because you went to a gig. That's right, yeah. I went to see um I went to see Terry Riley uh play last night, which was uh really some treat, I have to say. Uh Terry Riley is one of the one of the four, maybe one of the forefathers of um, minimalism. So uh, he his his sort of real um, influential pieces of uh, music, his compositions were uh, were were composed in the sixties. Um, his his big famous piece is called In C, um, which is a uh, a really interesting um composition that is is made up of um 50 odd um phrases 
that he um, that he has written, and and each of these phrases is, is in the key of C, obviously, and um, it, it oh, can, it can I be thought po- it was like incy wincy spider. <laughs> no, 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 yes, yes, sorry, yeah, incy wincy spider. Yes, no, 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 it's in C, as in in the key of C, and uh, and yeah, basically the 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 theory behind in C, it says there's fifty odd. Uh, stanzas or phrases or whatever uh, and um, each of them are in the key of C and can be played by uh, any number of musicians from three up to a hundred uh, and um, the the phrases are they've got to be played in order but uh, you can play each of the phrases however you want as fast or as slow as you want, as aggressive or as quiet or as um, uh, in like any time signature, it doesn't matter. But you've got to play that, play it consistently. And at any one point, someone may choose to move to the next piece, the next uh, phrase, and uh, and eventually everyone will move on to the next phrase. And the the only real rules are you've got to play. If you start playing something, you've got to play it continuously you've got to play the same thing you can't mix it up um but and nobody can get more than two stanzas or phrases ahead of anybody else and it's just um a real kind of um uh what's the word um it, it lends itself to improvisation and it was kind of terry riley was was uh kind of commenting on serialism which was the the big kind of uh musical revolution that had been going on in the early 60s that he wasn't really into um and it's it's he was he was amazing he's 83 now uh, and uh, yeah yeah and it was him and his son um who were who were performing they didn't play in c because uh, that is uh, a, a piece that you play by itself he they they played a bunch of uh, of different songs um it was about an hour and a half in total they played for, maybe a little bit less. Uh, and the first maybe 10 minutes or so were just Terry Riley, play, uh, just basically just uh, s- like singing ragas. He's a, uh, he's a raga um, teacher as well. Uh, he has, has been for like 50 years or something. He's, he's wow. incredible. It, it was really, really something special. It was really amazing. It was in a church in St. Luke's church in, in Brighton. And wow. uh, he was, mostly he was playing piano uh but there were a couple of other points where he played uh, and they had this incredible um grand piano that he was playing and and uh Gian, his son was playing a uh, really amazing looking les paul custom um it looked like a, a i guess it was probably a 70s les paul custom it was that kind of uh 70s walnut color uh, you oh, know when yeah. you see a, a Les Paul custom or, or a Les Paul and it's it's in walnut and you think yeah it's probably like a, a cool seventies one. Um, it was it was something like that and he had um, a bunch of pedals on the floor. He had a uh, he had a, a boomerang which is something that I haven't seen for a really long time. Oh wow, cool. Um, you had one of those for a while, if I remember correctly. I Matty. did have one of those for a while. Yes. Wait, what's the boomerang? It's, the boomerang was like one of the first pedal loopers. Like one of the really early ones, I think it came out probably around the same time as the RC20. Yeah. And but it's much bigger, and rather than all the functions being uh, multi presses of one or two buttons, like most loopers now, 
it's one of the only ones that was really long and every feature was on its own individual button. Yeah. Um, and it was originally made, I say famous, um, the big user at the time. How most people knew that was from a load of early video lessons that Guthrie did when he was first started teaching in schools and like crappy phone footage of him doing like loops and stuff on a boomerang. Oh, but wow. you had a separate record, stop, play, overdub, and half speed and the vo- and the volume was on like a roller so you rolled your foot over it to turn oh, the volume that of the sounds loop up and down. Great. So yeah. you could deal with each each loop very much independently. Yeah, so it's quite cool. Who, who they, made the boomerang? A boomerang. That's the boomerang, only thing yeah. they actually make. Um, they make the boomerang three now, but I don't think there's anyone in. I think for a while Charlie Chandler's was the only company bringing them in, which they don't exist anymore. One of the Chandler companies that doesn't exist anymore was the one that was bringing them in, and I don't actually know where you can get them from now. Well, that's what this was. It was the Boomerang 3 that Guillaume was using. Mm. Uh, and it, so- it sounded amazing. That, along with uh, just a, the, the pedals he was using was fantastic, actually. He had a Pog. He had a, uh, a Mojo Mojo, take a drink. Uh, and of course, for to take care of all of his, um, or he had a he had a to, to take care of his reverbs. He had, of course, a uh, a Hall of Fame. Uh, of and, course, one or uh, two. I uh, don't know. Couldn't tell. Uh, and to take take care of uh, you know when he wasn't looping to take care of his delays. DL four, Re- you know uh, all of that into a uh, into a, uh, a deluxe reverb. And then um, one of the Muga Fugas, I think it was the Ring Mod. Uh, that he was using to kind of best get some one. really. Uh, yeah. It is the best one. Yeah, really, it really is. I'm, I'm sure that's what it was. It was. I couldn't get too close, so it's difficult to tell. But it was. Um, oh, the whole the whole thing was really amazing. He was he was incredible. Like like I say, Terry mainly played piano, uh, and um, he the, the final song that he did was on. Um, uh, melodica, but like a baritone melodica, I think. That it sounds was, awesome. It was. Jay, it you're was describing really like my perfect gig and all it, my yeah, life. It, <laughs> it was amazing, and and like, but also what was really cool is you know Terry Riley, as I say, he's, he's in his eighties, um, and he's known as this. Inc- oh, and his piano playing was just it. It was probably the best piano playing I've ever heard live. Um, it was unbelievable. Uh, but then also he did a song where he was playing some sort of weird instrument on his iPad. Um, and so it's, it's just really cool to see this, um, th- this is the sort of thing that I'm really interested in is I was having a discussion with someone at work about how, um, what, what like craft work do nowadays and mm-hmm. how they, you know, in the, in the, in the seventies, they were using the pinnacle of the technology that was available to them. They were using these Moog synths and now it's, you know, you know, the year 2018 and when they play they're not using those because they can use modern technology to create similar sounds and create similar weird music mm. and that's what terry riley's doing you know he he was he was doing stuff that was mad and really forward thinking at the time and he kind of still is and um it was it was incredible it was really amazing so i do apologize that it's made the podcast late but i don't actually apologize because i had a bloody good time <laughs> amazing <laughs> so yeah he, but yeah he's doing a uh, he's doing another uk tour in april which just got announced um, and I really cannot recommend it enough. If you if you're into sort of weird, um, uh, weird music that is by a, I mean he's a he's a genuine revolutionary when it comes to music. That there, there is he he predates uh, anybody who else who you would think of of that 
uh, of that style of music. So when I watched a documentary, there was a really good BBC documentary about minimalism um, about three months ago, maybe maybe a bit longer. And um, one of the things that I found really interesting about it was Steve Reich, who's another uh, one of these minimalism guys who I really like. My favorite music, my favorite record by him is an incredible, incredible piece of music called "Music for Eighteen Musicians." It's unbelievable. Uh, and uh, but um, Steve Reich was actually involved in some of the uh, original. Um, uh, demos and, and rehearsals for the uh, first performance of NC. Um, and then he moved, he moved, I think he moved oh, to New York. What an incredible time. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting area of music that I've only kind of got into over the last, uh, over the last year or so, a couple of years. Um, you know, Brian Eno was obviously my segue into it, but, um, yeah, it, I, I really cannot recommend going to see Terry Riley enough. He, he's gigging a lot and uh it was amazing it was really amazing so yeah sorry to waffle on for what feels like 45 minutes not at all um, not at all but, matt uh, yeah, knight was, you also matt knight you also went to a, a gig this week i went but, to but but someone definitely far less avant-garde yeah yeah i went to the total opposite um so i went to see katie tunstall um another um well Okay, another. I, I don't. I don't suppose James Bond was famous for for using a looper. But Katie Tunstall, of course, very very much yeah. uh, the 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 she popularised guitar looping. She Indeed, was the reason Ed I Sheeran a would be nothing without her. Yeah, she was the reason I bought a looper because yeah. I saw. What her did you buy? What was the looper Holland? that you bought? I bought an Akai Headrush. Yeah, the Akai Headrush. See, she she popularised that thing, and then what a fantastic mm-hmm. looper! It, it hardly had any loop time on it. I can't remember what it was. Six seconds? Yeah, it wasn't. It Nine wasn't seconds? much. Wasn't I mean, for people, maybe the American listeners who wouldn't be aware of this program, there's a there's a long running TV program over here called Jules Holland, um, and he's uh, an ex, you know, performer and. Um, musician in his own right but he's had this I mean how long has Jules Holland been going on for now like 20 odd years um, where a load of bands come and do perform actually live it's not like some sort of weird pop TV program where everyone's miming um, and she performed on there in 2003 with this track it was just her and Looper and she did this whole song uh, which went straight to number one and you know basically like rocketed her into the charts and uh, yeah, she was the reason I bought this this Akai Headrush. And recently, I've had the chance to work with her since um, doing an event last year. And she invited me to the album launch party. I didn't really know what to expect because I actually bought the first record. I thought it was a great record. It's full of amazing songs, um, but it was very much an acoustic kind of like poppy record. And I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. And I turned up, and the band came out to like this roaring like rock guitar she's playing two different supros through a supra amp they've <laughs> gone they've then got charlotte um, wait what the new supro guitars yep the new supro guitars into the new supro amps it sounded <sighs> bloody brilliant it sounded like so rock and roll like just you, how you'd imagine like a, a 60s rock band to sound do you know what i mean yeah. it was just like really this huge sound and then they've got Charlotte um, Hath- Hathaway, 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 um, Hathaway, um, who played with Ash. Yeah, from Ash. Yeah, yeah, yeah from yeah. Ash. And she was playing a Blackstar HT5 into a 1x12, <laughs> which sounded also wicked. Um, 
And then they had uh, a bass player actually from Brighton. I think she played in the Go team. Um, oh, okay. Called Cheryl, who was playing a Mustang bass and one of the one of the new Mustang basses. Yeah, P- no, the... no, it was a, it was an old one. It right, was a really cool. old one. And the then the pickups. Then oh, I want to say Starcaster bass. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. Fender did Starcaster well. bass. Yeah, it was like a medium scale. It was like thirty two. Yeah. 32 inch scale weighs an absolute ton the center block in it is just unbelievably and unnecessarily long yeah. um in it was in a wicked candy Fred, but she was playing an old mustang bass which sounded and looked wicked but the whole band was so just just rocking they were like a really tight rock band and it wasn't what i was expecting at all and it was one of the best guitar sounds i've heard live it was wicked um so yeah it was like just uber impressed and i was so glad to hear a bunch of the songs from the first record that i hadn't listened to in years was um, she still using the akai head rush no she uses a boss looper now <laughs> <laughs> so she's um she's she's been a good friend of the boss us team for a long time and she's been working with the the boss team for a long time she's actually rehearsing at our artist center in the us but she lives in the uk um, and she actually lives like round the corner from from me so it's a long know, we, way she has to go to band practice then yeah it's a long way for band practice so i think she's like split the time between two so she's in the uk and we we worked out a bunch of stuff and they were rehearsing recently and it was just so good to go to that show and kind of just like hear a bunch of tracks i hadn't heard for years but done in a completely different way and also just something that was just like totally wicked for a live show i'd love to get her on when she's back in the uk in november um for like an interview because i think she'd She'd had, she was playing a lot of wiki guitars. She's got loads of cool gear. She's um, a very she, cool signature Gibson acoustic as well, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she plays a... I think it's like a signature Dove. I yeah, think it it's is. a Dove. It is a Dove. Um, but black with like black stars on it, which sounds wicked. That's the same one, I think, or very similar to the one she played um, on, Jul- on Jules Holland. But what was quite funny with when she did Black Horse and the Cherry Tree, which is actually a couple of really simple loops... She hit the guitar for like the bass drum, but then they like pumped the bass through the desk so you could actually hear it. And then she did this whole bit of like Seven Nation Army through a kazoo that was mic'd up. It was so weird. She did it solo and then played Seven Nation Army over the top of the loop on an electric kazoo. And then the rest of the band came out and like performed along with it while she did the lyrics to her own song over the top. It was totally, <laughs> it was totally mad. So yeah, it was a. That was a really class gig. So not what I was expecting at all, you know, when you go somewhere and you're like, I don't really know what I'm going to make of this. And it was like absolutely rocking. Awesome. So I... Uh, um, I Joe, also, sorry, just before, yeah, you, just before you move on, just uh, something that you, you said right at the start there that I thought was very interesting uh, when you said, uh, talking about someone who uh, maybe who uses loops a bit more than uh, what I went to see. Um, I just had a quick look. And if you go on the tape loop wikipedia page uh terry riley is actually the third name listed in the article <laughs> behind pierre schaefer and steve reich right, uh, yeah. and i actually feel like he should probably be uh ahead of ahead of right. reich but you know that's, that's that's just a little bit of semantics but it's just it's just cool that matty and i both went to see uh kind of i guess what i would consider pioneers of um looping but from two very different eras uh, Terry mm-hmm. Riley obviously being a real uh, pioneer in the early days, and then um, and then Matty, you you went to see the 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 kind of 
modern revolution of the modern yeah, of that, yeah. 100 percent because really cool you know, really interesting after katie tunstall did that you know i think people really jumped on yeah, yeah absolutely because the early absolutely. delay machines like an early dd3 can loop for 0.2 seconds do you know what i mean so i think she was at the, the point when people actually went hold on we've got a bit more memory to play with and we've yeah. got more more stuff to do and you just think like especially going back to people are doing it real to real yeah that is totally it's totally nuts to think where we are now and Absolutely. how much more you yeah. can actually do with it with a looper. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool that we both sort of did this. It's almost like we're mates or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's so weird. It's weird, isn't it? Really, it's weird. Really, really weird. It's really weird. Sorry, Joe. I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt, mate. Not at all. Not at all. I uh, I didn't go uh, to see someone that was uh, was looper based, but I did get to go and see one of my favourite modern day guitarists, Anna. Oh Calvi. no way, Matt Bellamy. <laughs> you saw him live. Where, no, where was he? For God's sake. <laughs> I got to go and see Anna Calvi, who's fantastic. Anna Calvi played guitar on the uh, on the very last uh, David Bowie album, if, uh, if, you, if you don't know Anna Calvi and you need some context for who she is. But uh, she's been making albums before that. She's, she is an absolutely fantastic musician. She has some of the, the coolest taste in instruments and effects. Um, and and I, I went to see her at, uh, at All Saints Church in, uh, in Hove. Uh, which was fantastic. She really suits the uh, that's that sort of um, natural reverby venue. And what was even better was the uh, the drummer in my band was actually one of the uh, one of the techs on stage. So uh, so he was able to get a couple of snaps for me of her pedal board, which uh, which I put up on the group because he his his photos weren't very good, and I struggled to work out what was uh, what was on her board. But she is uh, she always only plays Telecasters. She has an old um american standard um the uh, an old uh, sunburst american standard um uh with maple board that is that is completely wrecked mostly because she drags it around the the stage half the time during her set the stage layout she has a uh, uh she has like a large runway that comes out down the middle that she sort of goes down every now and again and likes to take the guitar off and sort of drag it down there making lots of weird uh noises she only and always plays through uh vox ac 30s um she used to have this really wrecked old cool ac30 but she was using a red one uh this time it was uh, it was angled and faced side on at the back of the stage so i could hardly see it but of course that gives you know so much better control for the uh for the for the sound engineer for it and uh she always plays that with like a ton of reverb and and loads of that vox tremolo which is great but jay i think it was you that pointed out there were two um two t-rex roommates on her on her pedal board as well yeah it looked like it it's difficult to tell but um i i couldn't think of anything else that um had a tube built in uh and actually the roommate i think is quite an interesting pedal in itself because i don't know much about the roommate so the roommate is a tube driven reverb pedal um which is a very interesting concept you sometimes get tube drive pedals but I, uh, and tube compressors but yeah and tube but, compre- yeah and but really yeah. a tube reverb yeah and i and i couldn't think of any other i thought that's what it was to begin with and i did a, after i saw it i did a little bit of googling and i couldn't find any other pedals that t-rex had done that had uh that had tubes in and visible um so i assume that's what it was and and by looking at it there was one on one side and one on the other so i presume that one was for vocals and one was for guitar 
Yeah, potentially, potentially. Unless she was running anything to the front of house. There was a, there was a cool like boutique fuzz because she's very big on her sort of uh, very reverby fuzz uh, fuzz tones. So um, so there was there was a, a couple of boutique fuzzes. What looked like a very old electro harmonics big box big muff on there, um, which was. Uh, which was very cool, and then reverbs. She was, uh, I think, uh, reverbs were a, a, a DD uh, three or, or seven. I couldn't really tell from the from, from the distance. Uh, sorry, delays were a, a DD three or a DD seven. I couldn't really tell from the distance, but um, but yeah, she was switching between her old uh, American standard Telecaster and a new um, uh, a new American. Uh, it's not vintage anymore. American original. Yeah. Um, one of the butterscotch. Um, oh, nice. Maple neck ones. Really good. I have to say you could, there was a big tonal difference between them. And I don't know if she's retrofitted pickups in the standard. Both sounded great, but the standard was just, that her sunburst one just sounded absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible. And, uh, and what was, I thought very interesting was on her tuner, she had the, she had what it needed to be. And I can't remember. I wish I had the picture up in front of me now, but it was, uh, it was very low tunings because she doesn't have a bass player. She plays with a drummer, and a uh, and a keyboard player and uh, and I knew her guitar was it, it, it's obviously low but it was surprisingly uh, low and and also an odd tuning as well but um, yeah, I, but yeah. I, I noticed on the tuner it, it looked a bit um, it looked a bit like a weird tuning that was going on there very cool yeah yeah very cool very cool awesome. indeed also for me I've been uh, I, I've been I, I got some I got some effects. I got of course you did. Of course you. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you? It's not like it's you know, just a normal week in the middle of October. Why wouldn't you so, go and buy a load of pedals? So I got um I got a, a TC Electronic Mimic. Oh yeah, the delay. Uh, no, the it's like a doubler, isn't it's it? It's a doubler. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a doubler. Because I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna get this thing, and then I can put it maybe ahead of my drive or after my drive, and use it as like an extra stage in the drive. And it would sound like there are two bass guitars. <laughs> God, that, that sounds awful. That that is not. That is not what this does. This is. What? It it just it just sounds like a. It just lo- everything loses all its attack. You oh. You're supposed really? to put it at little... the end, though, aren't you? You're supposed to. I know Rabia uses one on his main board to basically just give it a bit more of a, like a stereo widening because he doesn't run. Well, he does. He runs like true stereo in like the eight cable method, so like two effects loop and stuff. But I think it's just as like a widening effect, isn't it? Rather than like making it sound like there's two bases. Yeah, yeah, it didn't do what I thought it would do. It just made everything less attacky. I was just running it on its own, and I was just like, oh, this just... Were you running it in stereo? No. Well, that's probably also why. (laughs) Oh, really? Am I supposed to do that? Yeah, well, the thing is, it's got mono out, but I think the idea is that you run it in stereo, and then it gives you that double... uh, It gives you, like... Because you've got one, two, or three overdubs, and I think if you put it in two or three and you run it in stereo, it splits them out. Oh, that sounds and then better. It, and then it gives you, like, you're supposed to put it at the end of your rig to give it that kind of stereo widening effect. Effectively what you get from, like, a chorus, but without actually adding any physical effect whatsoever. Uh, apart I think from a if couple you're... of very short overdubs. I think if, if what you're after is is that sound... Don't you remember? Do you remember? There's um, a Keeley pedal that would do it much better than that. Well, M- Maleko brought out that that thicken. 
you remember that we talked about it maybe three months ago uh, and that's maybe, yeah. that does that that does that same sort of thing where it's it's essentially it's a delay pedal i think um but the you can control the uh what they call the spread which is actually the time between the two mm-hmm. uh between like the dry signal and what is essentially the delay but i think it's like a very very short delay so you can essentially widen out the sound of your uh widen out the sound of your uh guitar um and it's got a preamp built in so that you can kind of really push the, the front end of it um and it was it was designed with the geezer from uh from that band wire who are you know that that very dark and boomy sounding uh kind of post-punk band so yeah. that is probably more what you're after joe rather oh, than yeah, the mimic. That does sound, oh, yeah you know, you know what you'd be better finding find the electro harmonics adt the automatic double tracker uh which was a really old pedal they bought out in the 70s i think which is like this old big box thing with if i remember rightly one 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 knob on it and one switch and i think the knob was just like more and then the switch gave you two different levels of delay and that was it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was either more or like more more <laughs> yeah um or yeah the other one um alongside um that was the the keely 30 millisecond automatic double tracker which has the dimension mode the abbey road mode or the slapback mode and that's that's mono and that that once again was designed to give you that kind of feeling that you'd overdubbed your guitar yes that sounds that sounds much more like what i want yeah and you can with, i think with the keely one um you can also detune the voice ever so slightly because obviously the, the you well, know when you first get into recording like and you go oh who needs to double track when you can copy paste but obviously you don't really get like much of a a realistic feel or, or doubling effect when you've just copied the same thing you've just played and put it on a stereo track so this actually gives the option to double um double track and detune to give it a little bit more of a realistic feel awesome that, well, that sounds killer, gentlemen. We should uh, we should definitely get on with some news this podcast because it's been a very busy week for new stuff. There's been some incredibly new stuff. Certainly, the start of October has been busier than than it's ever been before. There have been a ton of new releases, so it's time for news. News, Matt. Your very company has probably put out maybe its biggest release of this year. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we've released a lot of... Pro- in the last two years, uh, since I've started working, I think we've done over, we've done nearly 20 products, which is bonkers, considering yeah. I've had to be involved in, in all of them. And this one we've been working on for a very long time. Uh, I found out about these maybe at the beginning of the year. Um, it is the... Dimension C, the DC2W Waza, and the MT2 Metal Zone Waza. Um, yeah, basically... So two, um, two very different pedals. Two very, very different... In fact, more the most polar opposite that two pedals could potentially ever be. Absolutely. Um, and pedals, pedalsandeffects.com did... Uh, when, when they did their review, I think Nick Reinhardt put it put it really well when he was like the the metal zone is that pedal that you know if you were um if you were growing up 
uh, kind of in the in the nineties, in the early two thousands, you you almost definitely owned one of these. Whereas if you were growing up at that exact same time, you definitely didn't own the dimension. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're very, very, very different pedals, and I guess there's a kind of a little bit of background to this. I'm obviously super super glad that the dimension c has happened because this is the pedal i have pushed for since i started working the coolest boss pedal of all time for push buttons what what more could you want it's um, so cool it's and just it's crazy cool yeah so uh, obviously a couple of improvements um from the original you can do multiple button presses which you could only do on the rack which um you couldn't do when they bought out the pedal version the pedal version they only made for four years and it was really optimized for guitar where the old rack unit was really optimized for studio use so first of all this one has multiple button presses but it's been optimized for mono in uh, mono in mono out but it's also got stereo in which the original one didn't have and stereo out you've got the original dc pedal mode and then you've got the sdd 320 rack mode and a couple of the combinations on the original rack unit didn't actually give you any new sounds despite what people always said oh no if you definitely hit this combination you definitely get a different sound but actually from analysis of original units it didn't actually do anything so we've actually put in some new sounds in this under certain combinations which i thought was really cool matty can i interrupt you there for a minute please, yes mate? i yes. saw you talk i saw you talking about that in one of the groups i i, mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it was and mm-hmm. i didn't really understood understand what you meant did you mean that w- w- on so, the rack unit if you there were still only four sounds irrespective of what combination you did or did you mean that you could do like turn one on and then one off and then like, no, so do the Konami code in order to get like a secret sound. No, so basically on the old rack unit, the STD three twenty, uh, which is an old huge stereo three U rack unit, it was a dual chorus circuit that that gave you the dimension sound, which I'll I'll go into a second. But there was five buttons on the front and uh, or six buttons, an on and off button, a bypass button, and then four buttons that gave you four dimension presets, and you could jam two of the buttons together and um it sort of it sort of gave the thing that there was a, a couple of the combinations everyone's like well you've got 10 combinations four buttons 10 combinations but some of the combinations that weren't just a single button on their own um so like jamming two buttons together didn't yeah. actually give you any new sound it just meant that even though two buttons were pressed it was definitely giving you the sound from button two but everyone's right, like oh okay. you press one and two there's like this hidden sound i see because which... that is the ca- and sorry to hijack but mm-hmm. uh, and you know not to move focus away from what you're talking about but that mm-hmm. is the case with the uh tc one isn't it there are different sounds depending yes, on the, the buttons yeah okay fine there's a really interesting thing with a lot of pedal companies that have tried to do dimension so for people who don't know what dimension is dimension is multiple chorus signals or multiple modulation waves we don't necessarily it's always been known as chorus but it does something slightly different it works on the same time-based idea of chorus flanger phaser um but what it is it's multiple modulation waves that actually move a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Effectively 180 degrees out of phase in stereo. So what happens is, is you get the dimension, you get the space that running a, a widening effect, like we were talking about with the double tracker, running multiple core uh, sine waves together. But because they're out of phase, you only get the space, but you don't get any of the movement of the physical modulation. And that's what dimension is. And actually, a lot of people that claim to do dimension are actually just running a very, very slow chorus because it sounds incredibly similar but the key to dimension is actually running it in stereo because that's when you get both signals and and if you imagine like a stereo chorus pedal if you actually plugged in just one side you'd probably find that one side is dry and one side is wet because that's how chorus works that's how it worked in the old jc but both outputs from the dc are actually a completely individual wet output which is also something really interesting, which most stereo pedals you know, that try and do that thing don't actually do. Most give you a wet-dry. This actually gives you wet and wet. And that's how dimension wet, actually wet, works. Wet, wet, wet. wet. <laughs> yeah, so, um, that, so a lot is, that's, that's what's interesting about some people that have tried to do dimension in the past. It's actually just a very, very slow chorus effect. And what they're doing with the button presses or you know combinations of different knobs is giving you different rate and depth where dimension is actually doing some other things under the hood in an analog realm that not anything else actually does which i found really interesting and one of the things i pushed forward when i first heard about it was yeah but what about people who can't run a stereo rig who just run mono and that's where the optimized mono mode has come in so it's running both signals at the same time um into mono but it's, it's a really interesting effect and actually we found that a bunch of people used them in the studio because if you set it really subtly it gives you this huge expansive sound especially like straight into a desk um without it sounding like totally over the top and i, I spoke to to guy pratt from pink floyd about it when i was at toman earlier in the year and he said like all of his early session work was a start with a, like a steinberger bass into a an SDD320. That was like his studio rig. He was like, I've got this Steinberg bass <laughs> and I've got this SDD320. So and he was weird. like, all, all my early session work w- w- was that, um, which w- was quite interesting. That's so yeah, Dimension is, um, you know, obviously quite a an effect that a lot of people have lust after and especially for, for Boss, it was four push buttons. I mean, how weird, how weird is that? Yeah, and it's, so and unusual. it's pink. I mean, yeah, well, it's, mauve. It's, it's mauve. Mauve is the best color. And for, for me, I thought um, that the best thing that Boss did with this pedal was just the 
um, the quality of artists the that they got on board. <laughs> yeah. we, were like, we were like, God, we're running out of ideas. We need somebody to play bass. No, we can't get Jay Cross in. He, he's, yeah, we're yeah, talking about. <laughs> what are you talking about? I know how to play. No, look, so we did guitar, bop. We, you know, if we did guitars, bass, we had an acoustic player. There wasn't enough time for the tape loop guy. You know, just running his tape loops through his DC2W. Yeah, um, but yeah I, did, right. I did get to play my ES Les Paul bass. Yeah, which sounded wicked. Um, that was, and uh, I think that was talk of the town in the office. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> in our bass. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really nice. Um, but, I, I took a I took a little Mustang bass as well. I know I saw it in the background. It looked great. I, I actually played. <laughs> I played both. I played both. You can blame Boss for choosing the uh, the Gibson. Blame who? Oh, you can't blame me, mate. Who can I blame? Boss. But which just one? In, in general. Okay, Jay. Yeah, Bo- I'll just blame Boss, him. Yeah. Boss Coffee. Um, <laughs> that Tommy Lee Jones. He's the face of Boss Coffee in Japan. Just blame him. Um, what? Did you, well, I'm sure we've talked about that before. <laughs> no, we have. Of course, oh, we've quick talked side, about this before. Quick, quick what side are you note? talking about? In, very quick side note. When okay, you say side... when you say when you say face, which which face is he? Of uh, is it is he right, like so the normal in... face or the two face? No. Get it? Normal he... face. Okay, right, okay. <laughs> Look, so in Japan, the mo- the biggest brand of coffee is actually called Boss. Boss Coffee. And the advertising face of Boss Coffee, the main man behind all of the adverts for the last, I think, 20 plus years, has been Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever you buy a Boss Coffee, his face is either like on the can or on the vending machine or on the <laughs> advertising in the... Uh, like Sorry, what do you mean can? They sell it in cans. Oh, they sell coffee in cans. Hot and cold. What? <laughs> what, are t- what are you talking about? Hot cans. Hot I didn't cans. kill my wife. <laughs> I don't care. Great film. Yeah, you can buy a hot can of coffee in Japan. Um, so, I can't even remember what we were talking about. Well, no, okay, we're, we're moving on it. anyway. This, we've, we're moving on from Boss because um, a, another pedal company, I'm sorry to keep it on pedals, everyone. We will uh, we, we will move on and talk about some guitars very shortly, but uh, another major pedal manufacturer also released something new to their arsenal. This one, um, I, well, actually, we haven't even spoken about the Metal Zone, have we, Matt? But but let's uh, let's come back to the Metal Zone in, uh, in a second. This one, I was going to say, was more contentious than the Boss release, but, of course, the, the Metal Zone comes with its own sort of big bag of internet memes line six have introduced the hx stomp but a week after head i'd say i tell you what head rush must keep thinking yes we've got it we're level with them (laughs) (laughs) every time i swear the helix came out and head rush were like here's the head rush and literally a week after the head rush came out the helix lt came out and then the HX effects and Headrush have obviously been like, oh, we're behind, quick. And they've got their gig board out. They must have been so chuffed because it was cool and different. Line 6 have gone. Here's the HX stomp. But it's not what we all expected. I think a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of listeners or people on the uh, Guitar Nerds forum, and, and to be honest, from chatter I've seen elsewhere on the internet as well, were hoping the HX stomp was going to be a bit of an M5 uh, update because of course the line six m5 you know we we cited it as being one of the greatest pedals of all time 80 pounds the m5 goes for and it's you it's a veritable swiss army knife you know why buy why buy an h6 when you can buy the uh m5 you know yeah it's but, i mean um it's a difficult one because i i uh, saw a lot of people say oh well 
would you be annoyed if you'd bought an HX effects? But then I was like, well, if you bought an HX effects, you probably bought one because you wanted a Helix without the amp modeling. Yeah. So, so to bring important. out let's, the stomp is yeah, you know, let's, very let's different. Precursor this one. The HX stomp, whilst being a smaller version, so it is a uh, if if the HX effects was designed for pedal boards, then the HX stomp is absolutely designed uh, for pedal boards because it is a a three button version now of the HX effects. But what's weird is it's not. A three-button version of the HX effects because the HX stomp includes everything from the Helix brain, unlike the HX effects, which is of course effects only without any amp modeling. The stomp includes all of those things. Only now you're going to have to be a bit more careful with how you're programming, uh, you know, all of your your presets on there. But very much, it's designed to be a an amp and cab so straight to front of house solution for people who want pedal boards which of course the hx effects isn't the hx effects is just a really good multi-effects um and because the hx stomp is including the uh everything from the helix brain it comes with a price tag so it's sitting around 500 ish pounds the hx stomp which of course is now um over 100 pounds more than the hx effects which uh, which just sits in a very awkward place, and I think people were quite surprised by it. I, I would have loved a, a three-button HX effects for sort of 150 quid, you know? That would have been cracking. Um, this this is a, a very specific product, I think, because they've added uh, all the extra features and because of the, the price tag that's that's come with it. What are your thoughts on it, boys? I, I am, I'm surprised they didn't do an HX stomp that was, or an HX effects stomp, which was just a three button version yeah. of that. I'm also, it has got an effects loop in it as well. So I can yeah. see very much, you know, they're kind of going for the, well, I say going for the gig board, but also the MS3 type thing um, for people who have obviously already used Helix who want to stick with the the line six brand um well, the hx but, the H, the hx effects you could you could add two yeah. two pedals into your uh you know the, only I've, only one less than the ms3 yeah i guess the thing is the hx effects are quite big but it's quite good value for money for what you get because it's the m13 so i wouldn't be surprised if they did an even smaller version but i think the price is a very odd one because i guess a lot of programming goes into it before but because it's the same brain i'm guessing if you've already got a hit i'm I'm sure they must be aiming this at Helix users already, primarily. If you've already bought a Helix, you can pull all your sounds off a Helix and whack it straight into into this. I'm guessing. That's that's um, exact that's exactly what I think it's for. I think I think it's for people who either have got a Helix and uh want to be able to take the Helix on a on a plane, for example, you know, you're gonna go and fly in and do a gig somewhere, uh, or you are alternatively for you know more real life people like us you've got your helix which you keep at home and then you take uh this on the tube to you know you take it in your gig bag you go to work and then you go straight from work to the gig and you've got everything in your gig bag alternatively i think it's um line six's answer for people saying i want the helix and i want the quality of it but i want it in a uh pedalboard friendly version that i can intricate uh that i can uh include all my existing pedals, you know, I, I've got my clone and I love my clone and I'm not going to uh, substitute that for any other drive pedal, irrespective of how good it sounds. Cause that's the one that I like. And I want to 
include that into my setup. I think that's who this is for. I just don't know how many people want, uh, how many people love real pedals but don't love real amps. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a bit of a DHX effect makes sense for me. I guess, but I also think that you're probably looking at it too much from uh, a kind of DIY punk rock background, which is you know how you've grown up playing guitar is is taking guitars taking amps taking pedals whereas i think a lot of people especially people who are playing like small gigs and are going to work in big cities and then going straight from that big city to a practice room or to a gig to a small function if you can get away with not carrying everything with you then fantastic whereas people like us who are probably more about the maybe more about the vibe even than the sound like i like I like the air moving behind me, I like so to speak. Um, you know, I, I I like when I I like that feeling of a of a live environment, and that isn't the case for a lot of people. Uh, and I think maybe a couple of years ago I would have kind of mocked that, but I don't think that's the case anymore. I think I understand it, and it's just I would say that for for people like you you and me, Joe, the Helix is actually more suited for us because you can still use your amps with i guess you can still with this as well but i don't know i I just i think it will be popular i think it will it will really serve a niche for um i think like matty says people who already have the helix will buy it and yeah i don't know i I think it's cool i think it's cool yeah 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 yeah, it certainly is it's just a just a weird one maybe maybe i think we were all hoping for a 150 pound version of the helix yeah well yeah of course but like you know let's get that doesn't make this bad yeah yeah yeah, i know know. the only weird thing for me is i suddenly realized when you know obviously i had a very busy day because it came out that basically the same day as the boss stuff i suddenly realized how overused the term fly rig is and i was like how many people are actually flying gigs and I, I know people want a portable pedal board, but I'm just like, people are still going to put it on a massive pedal board. I think yeah, more I people mean, are probably going to put it on a massive pedal board than they are a small pedal board. Yeah, all the all the lifestyle marketing from Line Six even even had it on like a huge pedal board with a load it, of other cool exactly. Stuff. I think this is the thing. I think the term. I'm sort of bored of the term fly rig because I don't think that many people there are realistic. A portable, yes. Fly. You're never going to fly with it, I think. But I think most people are going to put it on a big pedal board. And actually, that's if I was going to get something like that, I'd do the same. And I'd have it at the end, and I'd use the effects loops for running stuff in. That's exactly what I'd do. Absolutely. Matthew Knight, the metal zone. Oh, the metal zone. Um, what do you want to know about the most notorious pedal of all time? I mean, uh, Why haven't you done an HM2? Why haven't I done an HM2? <laughs> uh, uh, why are you just making a pedal that sounds bad? Uh, why are you making a new version? Uh, okay. why, wh- what's the point? Uh, why are you trying to trick us? Uh, those are questions I want you to answer, Matty. I want um, you personally to explain why you have offended me. So I obviously did a lot of community management uh on the oh day that's, that's a out. nice way to put it <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, so for people for people who aren't in for people who, who don't spend their entire lives in guitar groups like the three of us do uh what matt was doing was uh uh block responding responding to people who were asked uh, yeah, responding to people who were asking uh, th- those sorts of questions that I just uh, I um, just asked. 
basically I did 900. I think I got something like 900 <laughs> notifications on that one day. <laughs> um, and the new iPhone update gives you like a screen time. And it also tells you how many notifications you get on average per day. And at the moment, mine's over a thousand. <laughs> I was like, oh my oh, gosh. <laughs> um, so a bit of background. Metal Zone is one of our longest running pedals. Uh, we've made it since 1991. We've never changed it. Um, we've sold, I think, 970,000 units since 1991. The, the second, second, the second biggest popular. selling pedal from the, the Boss range. The most popular being the DS1? Most po- but not... At the time the Boss book was written, which was the early 2000s, it was actually the biggest selling pedal of all time, uh, or biggest selling pedal in, in, in the Boss range. So, the Metal Zone was? Yeah. Yeah, so the DS1 at one point Sorry, was actually hang on. sold More less. than like the TU2? Yeah. Bear in mind, we've sold this for nearly 30 years, the Metal Zone. Whereas the TU has been updated every 10. Yeah, and bear in mind, TU2, I mean... No, it's only yeah. been TU2 and TU3. TU2 and TU3. And TU2W, well, or whatever yeah, it's 90, called. 1998 and 2008. I mean, the TU3 is probably 10 years old now. Um, God, blimey. That, I know. No, no, crazy, no, no. It? It, it came out... No, because I started working at GAC in 2009. And, and it came out after There was still the TU2 when I started working. But I mean, Even still, that, 10 you know, years of five, five, five years, you know, I would say it's a long time for, for a pedal. And there are pedals that have been around longer. I mean, obviously, the DS1's been around since 78. You know, Crybaby's been around for a very long time. But those pedals have changed over time where the Metal Zone is effectively the same, the same circuit. Um, and the thing with that is that at the time, 1991, it gave you that sound. It gave you that metal sound. I mean, the Black Album was huge. The whole Metallica sort of explosion at, at that point point but the thing is is that you know what boss have always done is they've never held back in in the options that they give the customer and it had a very 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 detailed eq and it's probably the most um technical analog circuit we've ever built into a pedal but one small millimeter of movement on the mid control totally changes the entire sound. So it's like this super sensitive parametric EQ. And obviously a lot of people would just didn't, you know, when you get your first pedal, if you're 15 or whatever, and you buy your first pedal and you're into metal and you touch a control and it's, Oh, it sounds horrible. Or it sounds like a jar of bees or whatever. And it's just, it was just too much. And of course we've never changed that. So when the project got assigned to one of the younger engineers, this guy's like 22 and he's really into like extended range and progressive metal and, you know, like the whole sort of gent thing. He was like, I need to make this pedal work for for what I like. So he took the standard mode, first of all, and said EQ is outdated. It can be it can be changed. Um changed the, the the width of the EQ but also made it less sensitive so the standard mode on the Waza Metal Zone has been completely redesigned from the original um, it still gives you that classic 90s metal sound um, but the EQ is far, far more usable um, and then the custom mode he was like you know how do we bring it into something a little bit more modern so the custom mode because everyone's like can't tell a difference can't tell a difference and there's some wicked videos from some people out there where you can you can go between the two but custom mode is actually a completely different tuned circuit entirely it's a totally different pedal it's not it's not a mod that someone else has done or anything like it's a totally different pedal the eq is different 
and the gain structure is different on the drive. Um, and it gives you something that's far more dynamic and responsive to your volume control. Um, so I've actually got it with a friend in the studio at the moment who's using it as like a blues boost. She's like, I just dial the gain back and turn up the level. If you leave the mid control at 12, you get no mid cut or boost. And then you've got, you've got a, a treble and bass control, really powerful 15 dB treble bass boost and cut so um he's been using it as sort of like an eq style preamp and that's where the whole oh you can plug it straight into the effects loop return which isn't the ideal way of using it obviously you should go into the front of the amp but it's yes it's the metal zone brought into a, a much more modern age i mean a circuit gets old parts get old people's tastes change especially in that amount of time um so it was the first time i heard it i was a bit like um, I'm not so sure about this, but then again, I was playing a telly into a katana uh, at really low volumes. So what we did is we actually took it to Rabia. He tried the very first prototype and he plugged it straight into his Kraken. And it was this, you know, this big old box with the, the first circuit in it. And it sounded wicked. And I was like, you know, part of, I think these pedals do come down to the ser- the type of music you play and the style that you play as well. Um, but we've, brought it into an age where it's much more usable and it's less likely to sound like a jar of bees um, <laughs> and a lot of people said oh well the hm2 and it's like yes i know that mt2 is this whole big meme thing you know we've sold nearly a million so i'm pretty sure out of the small internet community there's a whole hundred other hundred thousand other people that use it and probably still have it on their pedal board um but the hm2 is and an even older circuit is 84. And I guess the thing is, we wanted to take something that obviously had been really popular, but also had something that we could really work with. Um, and the thing, someone actually said, you know what we should do? We should make an HM2 and then not put any knobs on it and just set everything to 10. And then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so like almost like the DC2 is just four push buttons, except you can't change anything. Just everything is set to 10. Um, and that that is the HM2 sound. I know some other people have used it and it was big in the early 80s but it is a very very different pedal to the metal zone and we had a much bigger and wider platform to to kind of play with in terms of in terms of the metal zone um and it's it is a wicked sounding pedal and i'm just i'm saying to people you know honestly go and try it because as a drive pedal in that custom mode i think it really stands up against a whole bunch of of other pedals on the market and a lot of other metal pedals are just trying to do a refined metal zone sound anyway the uh the moment i started taking it seriously i think was when one alderette was playing fretless bass through it in his review and that was my what was one with one specification when they did the video i was like please play your fretless bass through both of them i thought it was fantastic like it sounded great imagine a metal zone sounding great Using a 1970 fretless bass, oh, no. it, it was great, um, absolutely killer. So I, you know, I'm I'm really pleased with with the outcome. Both these, obviously, I'm super pleased for the DC two. It's my my favourite boss pedal of all time. Um, and as soon as this came out, I took the old one off and, and put this one on. It was like that's it. It's just you know, as much as there's a great thing about buying the old ones, the new one having AB the two, it just sounds so much better. Because you've you, you know you've got upgraded components, you've got lower noise floor, you've got more sounds on it. So like, yeah, it's just it's a great pedal, and the Metal Zone is a is a, a wicked pedal. Even if you're not a metal player, it's a it's a great 
high gain Absolutely. drive. The, the new one is certainly way more versatile. We have gone on for blooming ages and we've hardly done any of the news. Jay Cross, um, tell us about the Balaguer Gaia before we uh, before we head off. Yeah, so Bala, Balaguer, Bala, Balaguer, I don't know, Balaguer, I guess it is, B-A-L-A-G-U-E-R, um, released a new shape um, this week, the Gaia, which is kind of a Firebird-esque uh, offset. Um, looks wicked. The, uh, it looks fantastic. So the, the model in the press release is a kind of pale and blue with a Bigsby and two mini humbuckers, reverse headstock. Um, it looks really fierce, really incredible. Um, there's there's a load of weird little things there. So it's 25 and a half inch scale length, which obviously is different. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's different to most uh, most Firebirds. Um, and because they're normally 24 and three quarter, I think, Firebirds, I think. Or are they short scale? You know what? It's been ages since I looked up what the, the scale of a firebird is, so I can't even remember, but I'm pretty sure they're not 25 and a half. Um, and 16-inch fingerboard radius, which is absolutely is, really flat. Really, like really flat. Ibanez wizard flat. That's crazy. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, but the thing that really um, excited me about this was in the press release, it said, um, so there was, there was uh, right at the bottom there, it said, build yours today starting at 1099 USD and I thought mm, that sounds very exciting let's have a little look and see what's going on here so um, Balaguer is a brand that I hadn't heard of I will admit um, and as it turns out they've got one two three four five six seven eight nine nine models the Gaia being the the uh, most uh, recent of of them all um, they they're kind of the shapes that you would expect uh, there's a few kind of weirder looking ones there uh, the um, Enigma is well, the Enigma especially been... especially weird I think that came up on the on the Facebook forum on the Guitar Nerds Facebook forum uh, this week um, uh, when uh, I think it was I think it was Joe that posted. I, I was going to say, was, was it yeah. Joe Partick? It seems like yeah, the sort of thing was, Joe Partick yeah. would be posting. Yeah, so it was. Uh, it was because uh, Balaguer have made a signature model for the. I forget his name. The ah, oh, the geezer from Every Andy Time I Williams. Die. Yes, yes, yeah, and, of Andy course. Williams. Wonderful, and Andy Williams, who is who is a part time wrestler, um, <laughs> built like like the biggest man you will ever see, the most muscular man to ever pick up a guitar. He must be seven foot tall, built like a, a brick. <laughs> thing house and 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 uh you know his old guitar he used to play a les paul which he had a sticker of his gym on it <laughs> like, you know, so that's it with fella and he has now got the uh he's he's got his own signature enigma in powder pink and it looks absolutely cracking the enigma uh for listeners is is kind of like that old gretch bass guitar shape uh gretch guild bass shape the uh what were those basses called were they b series don't know not sure no neither of you will know but but no. yes but it's still it's a, a, a lovely shape the enigma is a gorgeous looking guitar so the thing that really um that really caught me about this was uh not actually the range of shapes that they do but the the ease in which you can uh build your own uh spec up your own your own guitar on their website um i i don't know i assume they're made in america it does seem maybe they're not maybe they're made it's it's difficult to tell. It says final inspection is done in the US, so I guess they're not. I guess they're made elsewhere. Um, but 
the uh the the number of different options that you've got you know you can do you know six seven or eight string uh all those different shapes and i spec together a really amazing uh shell or powder pink however you want to put it um single p90 gaia uh and i tell you what i'm bloody tempted it looks incredible. <laughs> it looks incredible, and the thing that's the thing that I think is amazing is they're they're from Potsdam, PA, which is like half an hour from where my girlfriend's family lives. So, like, <laughs> literally, like you you know how big America is, the country of America. They're like, I could walk there if I wanted to. It's they're so close. So, um, yeah, I'm really thinking about it. That the the Gaia looks amazing. So the Gaia is a um a reverse uh, version of a model that they already do called the Hyperion or Hyperium, I think it's yeah. called, um, which is, uh, looks like the, um, uh, the ghost, uh, that band ghost. They have got a, the RDs. The R- the yeah. RD style yeah. One? But it's, um, who makes it? Is it, oh, my goodness. It's, uh, the, is it called the Phantom? I can't yeah, remember. the Phantom, and it's it's made by the very unlikely. Um, is, it, uh, is it Hofner? No, no. But you're in. in it's it's a Scandinavian company. Uh, my guitarist owns one. Yeah, they I can't are... remember either. Hagstrom. Hagstrom. Mm. There we go. Yes, there we go. Hagstrom, Wonderful. and it's not called the Phantom, but it's called something like that. Uh, it is called the Phantom. Oh, it is called the Phantom. So yeah, uh, yeah the the um, Hyperion looks somewhat like that, and the uh, but yeah the. Um, the Gaia is a reverse version. It looks amazing. It looks really cool. Balaguer, I'm really into this. I think I think they are a company to keep our keep our eyes out on. And yeah, I totally hadn't put two and two together that this Andy Williams guitar was uh, was was a uh, Balaguer. But that's very very cool. Um, Every time I die, interesting band, really interesting band. Um, I was uh, a load of my mates were really into them in like the early 2000s. Uh, I can't remember when that record hot damn came out but it was it was early 2000 i had a bunch of mates who were really into it and i never really got it and it's only over the last couple of years i've started to appreciate them for who they are and keith buckley who's the singer is very vocal on twitter and he is absolutely ruthless and uh really funny so well worth a follow um i want i want these guitars now i'm specking out the growler oh which my looks wicked. the growler is uh, very cool in, in yes. shell pink yes. with a really of course. headstock of course, um, the, the headstocks look. The headstocks look great. I think. I think they're. Um, I think they are. The, well, the reverse. The reverse style headstocks on those. They've got the Balaguer written across the top. It's kind of recessed in from the uh, from the, yeah. the main body of the headstock. I think it looks fantastic. Joe, I think we might actually in the Patreon episode this week. Uh, we might uh, spec up our own Balaguer. Yeah, why don't we do that? That sounds it. interesting. Because we'll, we'll, actually, it's worth talking through the options, or we could spec out one and talk through all the options. I think that might be quite good. That's maybe a good That's way to go. Idea. And then, we and then the three of us can well up at time. Uh, oh here. my goodness yes yeah well well over so we're gonna have to draw this uh to a close unless there was anything you wanted to add jay cross uh joe, joe. stinks <laughs> two very different <laughs> opinions there <laughs> <laughs> wonderful 
That's great. That's great. Well, that is it for us here on the regular podcast, but we'll be continuing over on the Patreon episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast, where for as little as $1 a month, just $1, you can support the Guitar Nerds podcast. $1 a month gets you the regular episode and free and early. Sometimes if Jay doesn't have a good $5 a month gets you an extra half an hour every week, plus access to bonus features and mini series. And $10 a month makes you one of our executive backers, granting you access to everything already mentioned. Plus the prestigious honor of having your name read out in one breath by me. Right, I'm ready. I'm going to go. Going to go where? You ready? I'm going to read them. Where where are you going to go? I'm going to start far far away and I'm going to get closer to the mic. Are you, you actually are you actually like have you got up and walked away? I I I've got a chair with wheels. <laughs> How long's your headphone cable? Quite long. <laughs> so you, I Day. Oh, come on. I got to start. Adrian Day, Ken Stairs, Matthew King, Ethan Jebediah Martin, Steve Conrady, Scott Hamilton, Ivor John Maracross, Marin Peters, Gordon D. Rousseau III, Sean Arbo, Joshua Mitchell, Chris Wolford, Trumpetson, Ryan McDermott, Ron Cousins, Ron Cool, Nate Nagel, Tucker Abaddon, Ernie Cooper, Emery James Baker, Crystal Rapsy, Zane Omar, Matt Roberts, David Lee, Derek Whitson, Matt Cliff, Matt Davis, Aaron Sherman, Blake Wyland, Jake Gray, Christopher Lucid, Ron Curious, Scott Kennedy, Robin Smith, Rob Nordwick, Rob Grant, Derek Ritz, Chris Connors, Andy Joyce, Carlos Mantle, Steve Markle, Blair Toms, Mark Cross, Matt Price, Danny Short, Andy Pikesi, Laurie Ansis, Paul Carrigan, Will Class, Ken O'Brien, Phil Thompson, Bill Carrick, Carlin Otterson. <laughs> oh, I nearly <laughs> didn't make that. Oh. Oh. The added... Did you actually read... I feel like you missed a couple. <sighs> no, I didn't. I got them all. But the added physical exertion of moving... <laughs> 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 that was that was close. That's the closest it's ever been. I like Ooh. I like that um I like that little comment there, Joe. The added physical exertion of moving, which is something that you don't do regularly. <laughs> no, that's true. That's Joe Branton. Joe Branton, well known for standing still and talking, <laughs> as opposed to walking and talking. Yes, exactly. I'm getting complacent. Anyway, is that why you... is that why there's no vocals in your band because you can only you can only move. You I can't can move do one and or the sing, other. Yeah. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Guitar Nerds or on YouTube at Guitar Nerds Videos. You can even visit our website guitarnerds.net where all our various channels are displayed in all of their glory, and you can even purchase Guitar Nerds merchandise and become a true member of the club. That is it. From us for this week. We'll catch you next time for some more guitar nerdery. Farewell. Cheers, gang. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.